Welcome to the Pure Flix Podcast, a show brought to you by PureFlix.com. PureFlix.com, the faith, family, and fun video streaming service. Get ready for uplifting news, scripture, movie reviews, and interviews with some of your favorite actors, authors, and pastors. Let's get started. Hey, what's going on? And welcome to the Pure Flix podcast. I'm Billy Hollowell, and we have got a packed show for you today. So we're going to be having an author on. He's a friend of mine. His name is Adam Weber. He's a pastor, an author. He has a new book out called Love Has a Name, Learning to Love the Different, the Difficult, and Everyone Else. And, you know, it's funny because he starts on the back of the book. He has this little section, you know, explaining what the book is about. Who does Jesus love? That's the question you see at the top on the back of this book. And it's such a great question. Who does Jesus love? Well, the answer is Jesus loves everyone, right? Even those who don't love him. And love is such an important thing. And it's not just this feel-good, fluffy thing. It's a tough, difficult thing. We deal with people who are mean sometimes, mean-spirited, difficult, just nasty across the board. And so when we're dealing with that, I think it's hard sometimes to sort of stop and say, you know what, that's a human being. I need to love that person. A lot of times we're just annoyed and we don't want to deal with it. And I think what we're seeing happen right now, I don't think this, I know it, is our culture is really detaching. We've got all this chaos raging. We have so much happening around us and there's a lot of hate and a lot of division. And in the midst of that hate and division, here we are trying to live our lives as Christians, and we're called to love God and love others, but that that calling is so difficult when there's so much really just ferocious animosity and anger, and I think this is going to intensify. We have an election year coming up here. This is going to be a tough year. It already has been for so many of us. There's been COVID. There's been chaos. There has been just racial division, and now we're going to have an election, which is another major, major, always, no matter what the year is, trigger for division. And so how do we love others? And and Adam tells us love has a name, so we're going to dive into that in a minute. But I want to encourage you guys, head over to insider.pureflix.com. I always tell you we've got a lot of great content. We actually have a piece uh, about Lauren Daigle. We've got some quotes that really take you into her life and her faith and her career and her story, how she got where she got. And so you can get a chance to read five Lauren Daigle quotes that reveal her faith and story over at insider.pureflix.com. We've also got Dolly Parton. She had a really interesting message that we all need to hear right now more than ever. And it's kind of in line with what we're talking to Adam about today, but you can check that out. She's also got some Christmas music, Mary Did You Know. You can hear her, uh, her song. I know we're a little early for Christmas, but Dolly's starting to put that music out for the holiday season. And then we have a great story. This is based on the interview we did on the podcast last week. Luke Benjamin Bernard, he's the star of a Pure Flix movie that is called The Favorite. It's a movie streaming on Pure Flix right now. And really, doctors gave Luke almost no chance of survival. But here he is. He's starring in a movie now. He had this crazy accident. And if you heard the show last week, you heard him talk about that. If you missed the show, go back and listen to it. But also, head over to insider.pureflix.com and read um, his story because we tell the story there as well. I also want to call out the prayer and faith section of the site. We've got all sorts of prayers. One of the interesting ones you want to check out, and it's in our trending articles section right now, five back-to-school prayers for teachers and educators amid COVID. You know, listen, we got to be praying for the teachers, the educators, the kids, the parents out there. I know I'm a parent. I've got two kids, and it's crazy. 
it's really crazy trying to figure out what the year is going to look like where we are in New York. School is not starting on time. We're starting remote. And so it's a lot of balance. And so I know a lot of you are dealing with that. And we got to remember the teachers in a lot of these areas are, are dealing with a whole slew of new challenges. So we've got some prayers you could be saying for teachers and, and also some homeschool remote learning schedules that you might want to use. I think a lot of parents are going to be in need of that heading into this new school year. Now, I want to launch the show with a Bible verse, and um, I just feel like this is important. We have a verse in every episode, something that we can really just put out there to give us courage, strength, peace in the midst of so much chaos. And so I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 13, 9. We are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong, and our prayer is that you may be fully restored. This idea that we can find strength in Christ, that we can be restored through God, I think a lot of us are feeling just downtrodden and tired. And, you know, I'm hearing from people who are who are sick, who are struggling, who are just tired of the chaos and the consternation in our country. So let's love others. Let's love God, love others. That is the solution. And so with no further ado, I want to welcome Adam Weber to the show. He's going to be talking about that very topic. Again, he is the author of Love Has a Name, Learning to Love the Different, the Difficult, and Everyone Else. Hey, Adam, how's it going today? I'm doing fantastic. Huge honor to connect with you, Billy. Just truly thankful uh, to spend some time with you today. Well, you and I have been trying to connect for a while now, and I'm I'm excited to, and first of all, congratulations. You have a new book, Love Has a Name, and we're going to dive into the ins and outs of that, but I know how difficult it is to put a book together, and you have put a book together that honestly, I mean, every day I go on social media and I look at what is happening in my feed. And I have to challenge myself, and some days I'm not perfect. I walk away <laughs> feeling very negative. I mean, this morning I'm like, I can't stand social media. I can't do this. And, you know, and I'm annoyed with other people. And here you have this topic, right? Love that is so important and it's so timely when you look at the news and what is happening. What, what was it that made you say, I want to dive into this, into this topic, this emotion, this experience of love? Well, I wish I could say it was by choice and from good circumstances. A couple of years ago, uh, really for the first time in my life, I did not want to love anybody. Um, I was jaded. I was tired. And I've always said my strong suits, uh, I don't have many, but are the gift of gab, joy, and loving people. I just genuinely love people. Well, again, about two years ago, all of that ran out. And I was, I was hurt. I wanted to love my wife, my kids, a few close friends, and that's it. And just be done. And I, like, that's I would, it. Just, I just yeah. like, legitimately did not want to love anybody. I mean, I was just kind of hurt and wounded. I always used to remember in high school, I'd see a 60-year-old person, a 60-year-old guy, and I can remember thinking, at what point do you become a grumpy, old, jaded <laughs> man? I, I just couldn't fathom that. Well, and then, now, and then there you were. <laughs> Yeah. Well, fast forward, I'm 38 years old. And now I ask the exact same question. It's just the total opposite. How do I get to 60 years old and still have a soft heart? Mm. How do I get, how do I, how do I get to 60 and still assume the best about people still genuinely want to love somebody who has nothing to offer me in return? Because a couple of years ago, that felt like a foreign thing. I'm like, I, I, nope, I do not want to do that. It's crazy now that, again, I'm at such a healthy place right now, life-giving place right now, but our world feels like it's at the exact place that I was two summers ago where it's like I want to love my kids, my wife, a few close friends, and everybody else can mind their business. 
right? Everybody else, if you think differently than me, we're done. Like you wrong me, we're over. Even if you haven't wronged me, I just don't want anything to do with you. I'm trying to watch out for myself. I'm just trying to survive the rest of the year here. Mm. And I just would have never thought that this would be a release at the same time. And so God really began, took me on this journey of, hey, Adam, uh, you can't stay here. Like you can't stay in this jaded, angry place. Loving me and loving others is pretty much the most important thing. And so I began this journey of God softening my heart through other people and through, through Jesus himself who had loved me so well. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, love is so essential, and you look at what Jesus tells us, and we know this as Christians, it's love God, love others, right? It boils down, all the commandments boil down to those two things, and we could talk about truth and love and all of that, but it, but it comes into this package, and I feel like right now the world, I mean, and it's not just in one area. You know, sometimes in life it's easy to be like, okay, this one area is broken, but everything else is okay. Everything feels broken right now, and I feel like everybody is just on edge and it's it's just painful to watch and yet we have a solution right so i guess i want to ask first about the book and then i want to get more into what we just what i just talked about there but how do you feel this book kind of speaks into that pain that people are feeling right now um i, I it really just meets it right where it is one, one of the chapters is love reaches out to the different and uh, it talks about loving someone who doesn't look like you, think like you, vote like you, and why you would ever want to do such a thing. <laughs> and another chapter is on love doesn't always look like love. Like, what, what do you do with the person who's toxic? What do you do with the person who's angry? What do you, what, like, what do, you do with that person? And I, I think through my hope with the book is through a combination of my just genuineness as far as like, I don't sugarcoat my feelings and how I felt during this time. So hopefully a combination between my genuineness and also just my lameness and cheesiness, I'm praying that it will get into the hands of the person who's like, I'm done. Like I am over with caring about anybody except the few people I want to care about. My hope is that the stories of these different people, it's each chapter is the name of a person who's either loved me or loved, or I've tried to love them combined with someone similar that Jesus has loved. I'm hoping just the the winsomeness of stories and the honesty of stories would just really meet with that person and just move them. Okay, I, I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm going to try this loving other people thing. Where do I start? I hope that that would be my hope with the book. Well, and you decided you were going to do this like right before the most contentious election in the history of man. So <laughs> you know, congratulations on on that. But it's so true. I mean, everybody. I I am a lifelong New Yorker, but I grew up in upstate New York, which is like a different country from New York City. And yet I've lived <laughs> yeah. I've lived in New York City and around New York City since I was 18 years old. and I'm 36 now. So, you know, this has been I've spent more time here, basically, in this area where people don't generally agree with me on anything right from faith down to my political views. And so it's interesting because you have to learn how to love other people when you're, first of all, we know we need to, but when you're only around people who disagree with you, you're going to be pretty lonely if you don't learn how to love them. So um, I have I have felt that it was helpful to me to have that experience, but what are some of the tips you have for people, especially right now, you know, they see that their friend or loved one or, or you know, maybe someone they know they're not that close with, they posted something on social that seems offensive and they want to just write right back to them and tell them off. What, what is your advice for how we diffuse and do the right thing in love? Oh, that's so good. And I think one of the things we need to re remember that Jesus said is anybody can love someone who loves them in return. 
Like anybody can do that. And, and that's not what I'm calling you to just do. Like that's not the bar. Even love your enemy. Like just to be reminded of that as Christians, I think it's easy just to get in our mindset of we start loving like the world loves. It's like, what have you done for me today? And I'm going to only love people who love like me. So I, I think just to be reminded of that first off. The second thing is we're, it's a setup for failure right now. We're all social distanced. So we're talking even more impersonally than we have at any other time in our lives. At any time you can't see another person as a person, you begin to treat them horribly. It, like I, I'm always amazed. Uh, in ministry from time to time, we get some interesting emails. And sometimes I'll get an email where the person sounds so angry, I swear they're at my house burning it down with my family inside. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you are killing my family right now. You have to be. And then I meet with them face to face, and they immediately turn into the kindest, warmest person. And so I, I think if there's any ability, instead of throwing hand grenades out on Twitter, if there's any ability to speak with that person face to face, that's a huge step forward. We, we shouldn't go starting fires online. That's not, that's, that's not being the aroma of Christ. That's not being salt in the world. Uh, that's, that's, that's the opposite of it. So if we can get face-to-face -face with people, and then if we can get to know that they're an actual person, they're not just a different voting block than we are. They're not just a person who's a nuisance. They're not just an ignorant person who hasn't done their homework about their thoughts and opinions. They're a person with a story. If we can get to know their names and their story, it begins to change us. Even if we're not on the same page, all of a sudden we begin to see that they're a human. And it's like, can you tell me, not because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rebuttal you and try to debate you, but can you just help me know more about you? And where did you come to this place? And I think all of a sudden when we get to hear someone's story, we'll begin to say, we actually have more in common than we have that we disagree about. And, and a characteristic, I, I'd like to think it's from the good old days, the ability to agree to disagree is something that's disappeared. Oh, totally. And, and, so, and so that's a sad thing because the, the more you get to know somebody, you're going to find things you disagree with. And then we can't be friends anymore. And yeah. like we can't be friends anymore. And it's like where did that come from? Jesus was the best at loving people who disagreed with him. And a, a question for us Christians do we have any friends, not acquaintances, do we have any friends that disagree with us, that vote differently than us, that think differently than us? Do people we disagree with us still respect us? If the answer is no, in that area, we don't look like Jesus. And that should, that should cause us to think about our words and actions and attitudes. Well, first of all, stop convicting me. Okay, second of all, um, <laughs> I'm say, no, it's so true. Everything you just said is so true, though. And and you know, I try really hard in this in this area. And one other thing that I've found really interesting, we've seen some examples of this in recent days, is this expectation that we suddenly can make other people feel or think or do what we want them to do, and when they don't. <sighs> You know, when they don't do it, we freak out or we try to bully them into it. And that's happening across the board, right? I mean, that is just, it's yes, crazy yes. to me. And it's the polar opposite of love. You cannot make somebody do or think or believe or say something that you want them to do just because that's your feeling. You know, we've got to, we've got to, part of loving others is respecting them. And I see this across, I mean, the recent examples, I'm not naming them because they tend to come from one side, but both sides in politics both do this. Sides. Right. Everybody does it, right? So there are examples. Yes, and, yes. you know, 
I just, I mean, listen, you're the one being interviewed. I'm not going to go on a tirade here, but, but it's a real problem. <laughs> it's a real problem. And I think, um, you know, when I, when I look at this though, and what you just said that so resonates and what I'm excited about this book for is that if we're saying and doing something that's going to turn people off to Jesus, that's a big enough deal that we should stop and not say or do or tweet or Facebook that thing. Like that should be a big enough deal to us. Oh my gosh, if I say this and I wish I would think this every time and I, and I really do try not to ever say or do anything that's going to compromise, you know, that message because you want people to find Jesus, especially those who disagree (laughs) right with us on that. So it's so important to me. Well, that's exactly right. Uh, Like for some reason we're convinced if we just yell louder or add more cap locks to our post or demean more people that that people will be changed. One of the most simple things that for all of us to remember, adults hate being told what to do. We hate being told how to think. So so all that does is just dig people's heels in further. If we genuinely want to change somebody or, or help them to consider thinking differently, start with something radical like humility. Mm. Like, like kindness and gentleness and honoring people. I've been blown away, even in the last six months, by people who are uh, totally different as far as politics, people who are, have, are, I know are atheists. They've told me they're atheists. I've been blown away by how many of these friends have started coming to me saying, hey, Adam, what do you think about this? And they're, they're not asking so that I can corner you and make you look like a fool and tell all my friends. They're, they're seeking. I don't know. I was so sure about this, and now I'm not. Would you tell me? And in those moments, it's like, wow, I'm, what an honor. I mean, now you're wanting. Like, I've earned the ability to be, to be heard and and more than that, as, as Christians, and this is going to be the lame pastor answer. I can just feel like the cheese meter going off right now. I always, I always think this. If I want to change how someone thinks, all I can think is I just need to introduce you to Jesus. Because if you meet Jesus, just like he's done with me, and he's still doing with me, he's going to turn your world upside down. And all the things that you were so sure of will no longer be sure. And, and he will, he will t- destroy everything in your life in the most loving way possible. And I've seen that time and time and time again. It just, I just I honor humility, love, faithfulness, being consistent with that person who thinks differently than you. They know exactly what to expect from you. They know exactly who you are. You're always consistently the same. You don't badmouth them. Even in a room by yourself, you don't badmouth them. You honor them. You serve them. You don't change anything about what you think. That, that, it doesn't mean that I need to water down what I believe or change what Jesus has said. None of that at all. It's just being consistent. All of a sudden, God will just begin to open hearts and, and open up conversations that you will be shocked, and you'll see people change much more than yelling and posting and tweeting. I, I, we, have, we have a street cred. That every single day, the people in our lives are are either we're either adding to the street cred or we're taking it away from it. And I see so many people lose their ability to speak into people, to influence people through through posts and through crazy things said and done. And I'm like, man, you're wanting to influence him. You're wanting to influence her, and you've lost all ability to do so. And again, you can still have the most solid convictions. I feel like right now in my own life, I've never been more convicted of certain things. 
And so when they come up in conversations, we have them and I don't dance around, but like, I, I want to do it in a way that's filled with grace and truth. And those two things, that's really messy. This is what's hard. There's no cut clean, like handbook. How do you like talk during a pandemic in the craziest election ever? You don't talk. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. 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 And then there's a throw a hurricane on top of it too. Oh, listen, we're not even into September yet. I'm telling you, if you, if people were not convinced and I'm not saying we're at the end times, I'm, I'm joking here, but like, I don't know, maybe we are, but if you were not convinced that there was something to the end, to the end times prophecies and you look at what's going on out there, it is 2020 has been a nightmare in so many ways, but there's still so much to be grateful for, but it's been rough. And and I think we still have a few months to go and who knows what's going to happen, but, but you look at all of this, go ahead. What are you going to say? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, honestly, just be totally candid. I had a huge, heavy heart moment when I saw the explosion in Beirut. Mm. Like, I just could not, even when I found out that it wasn't anything behind it necessarily, like I haven't looked into it further. In that moment, I, I audibly prayed, Jesus, we need you. I'd never seen anything like that footage. And I was just like, we just need you. And we do. And that's always been true. And in these times, it, it just pointed out even clearer that we just need you, Jesus, starting with me, not just the world. This guy does. Like, I need you. Yeah. And I mean, when you look at culture, and this is why when we've had these conversations, I feel like so much of the culture war back and forth fighting, the reality is push all that aside. When you start to remove Jesus more and more from just the ecosystem, right? I'm not talking about politics and government. I'm talking about the general ecosystem of life when fewer people are, are, are connected when, I mean, look at right now, we, a lot of us can't even go to church still. There, there's so many things that are happening right now, but, but there's an effect of that. And I think the biggest effect is a loss of, a loss of love. I mean, and we're seeing that in our culture right now, and we have this solution and we should be gravitating towards that solution. And how do we, how do we help other people do that? We do everything you're talking about. We approach people in love. We, I mean, people need to read the book. They need to read the book. Love has a name to see, but I want to ask you, um, and maybe this is hard to answer. I don't know, but, but what is one time you would say in your life that stands out as a time that you saw love best being exemplified? Ooh, gosh, I feel like I've had so many opportunities to, to see that. Um, I, I think for me, I'm going to take a really small, it seemingly insignificant moment. Um, gosh, I'm trying to decide between two different stories, a time when God here, here's, here's a, a basic example. So a year and a half ago, one morning I woke up, it was either a Friday or Saturday, which is my weekend. And I felt this, you're going to think I'm nuts, by the way, Billy, I, I felt <laughs> God saying, go make chocolate chip cookies. And I'm just like, that's a terrible idea. That sounds and amazing. I just, I kept feeling, <laughs> go make chocolate chip cookies, make chocolate chip cookies. Side note, I, if I ever offer you food, take it and throw it in the trash can unless it's chocolate chip cookies and sell it for $10 a cookie. They're amazing. So I started feeling like I'm supposed to make it. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to, I'm done. Like I'm, it's my weekend. I'm, I don't want to, I kept feeling it. So I asked my daughter, I'm like, baby, would you want to make cookies with me? She's like, absolutely. We made cookies near the end of it. She's like, what are we going to do with them, dad? And I said, you run upstairs and you, uh, if, would you make a sign that says free cookies? And she's like, yeah. So she ran upstairs, came down with this colorful free cookies. We took the cookies out to my street corner. The whole time I'm thinking, this is this is so foolish. Why are we doing this? I'm wasting my time. Luckily, my daughter's here, so at least I had the time with her. We put the sign out. We have a lot of foot traffic, and it's a lot of interesting foot traffic. 
uh, we put the cookies out, immediately people start coming. And so there's different people. There's families. There's there's an older guy who walks by. He gets a cookie. There's this there's there's this young Native American girl that's so sweet and kind. She gets a cookie. There's all these different people. Within 40 minutes, all the cookies are gone. The whole time I'm grumbling and mumbling myself, like, what are we doing? What are we doing, God? What are we doing? This is so foolish. I'm a mega church pastor. I'm a published author. I don't have time to make cookies. You know, like legitimately, that's what I'm feeling. Six months later. Me and some friends, we went with a few professional photographers to the local food banquet, and we offered to take free photos for every family that came in. So every family came up. We took their beautiful 8x10 photo. They won an 8. We printed it out as they were eating. And then some other friends on Facebook gathered 8x10 frames, and so we we framed it right there when they came out. They got their photo. Well, that day we're doing it. Everyone's so thankful. There's this man that walks up, this older man. And at first I'm positive he's angry at me. And he just says, you, and he points right at me. And I'm like, ah, yeah. Um, He's like, you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he is furious at me. He said, were you and a little girl on a sidewalk handing out cookies? And just how he said it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, he got food poisoning, or he's the one out of a thousand <laughs> people who don't think my cookies are the best cookies on the planet. You know, I'm like, what, what happened? And I, I, I was like, yeah, I, it was me and my daughter. And he said, this man is amazing. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. And he's like, amazing. And I'm like, ah, uh, no. Like, I'm like really uncomfortable. And he said, that day I lost my job. I was starving and I was walking on my way back to a homeless shelter or something. And he said, and I saw you and this little girl offering cookies and I know I didn't have any money. So I went to the other side of the sidewalk because I, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't have any money. And, and your daughter yelled out free cookies. Oh, wow. And he said, <laughs> he said, first off, it was the best cookie I've ever had. And I'm like, God, keep me humble. You know, like, <laughs> I keep, but then he said, but in that moment, he said, I needed so badly to be reminded that God saw me, that God loved me, that God cared for me. Mm. And I was like, that's, that's wonderful. And so I left that day and I'm like, God, that was fantastic. And again, end of the story. And then I was like, Oh, like, gosh, thanks for making me make cookies, whatever. Like that was kind of cool and whatever. Well, like two months ago, the first week that we have physical services back at our church, there's a family who's, who's wanted to have children their, their, their entire marriage. They haven't been able to, so they want you to foster care system. And that day they showed up with their three foster kids for the first time. And so they came in. I said hello to them. Hey, guys, how's it going? Welcome to the church here. Like, we're so glad that you three are here. They went into the service. They came back out. The youngest of the foster kids, he's like five years old, he came up to me afterwards and he said, I know you. And I was like, oh, thinking of, I thought to myself, he has no clue who I am. I was like, oh, really? That's so cool. <laughs> like, I, well, so nice to meet you. And he's like, no, I know you. And I'm like, oh, that's great. And he said, and I know where you live. And I'm like, that's a weird thing to, for like, a kid to oh, say. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and his older sister, who I think is like a seventh grader, she said, and one day my dad and I, we stopped over and we had a cookie from you. Oh my gosh. And I said, what? And immediately I, I knelt down a little bit and I immediately recognized her. It was the little Native American girl who had stopped by with her dad. Oh, wow. And I said, I said that day, I prayed for you. And she got emotional and I said, you were just so beautiful that day. 
And yet you looked like you were just going through some hard things. And I, I prayed for you. And she said, my dad, my dad always loves walking by your house. Oh, wow. And I was like, what? She's like, he'll actually walk in purpose. He'll walk by your house because he likes to walk by your house and see if you're out front. Wow. And afterwards, I, afterwards, the foster parents messaged me and they're like, we can't believe she said that. Like, and all that happened, all this kind of thing. And the only thing I could think about the rest of the day was, God, I complained for two hours that you forced me to make chocolate chip cookies that day. And I look back and I'm like, oh, would I never miss an opportunity like that again? You know, someone like me, I'm an Enneagram three. So I'm like, like, let's go climb a mountain and put a flag on the top of it. I've been feeling lately, God's like, hey, Adam, the things that you think are really big things are actually really, really small, kind of insignificant things that you shouldn't think about so much. Mm. <laughs> and the things that you think are really small things that you shouldn't really think about so much are actually the huge, ginormous things. Like mm. making this cookie for this man who needs to be reminded that I love him, making this cookie for this little girl that needs to be reminded that I love her as well and that I got a, I got a plan for her and I care about her, even in this hard situation, even her father who for whatever reason isn't able to have his kids right now, even him that you just spoke into his, into his life. And, and so I think for me, we think it has to be grand. It has to be huge. We need to change the world. And, and God, to all of us together, we can change the world, but sometimes it's the simplest thing. And so I, I look at our world right now, and what I keep feeling is for such a time as this, that we as Christians can be the light of, of, of the world. Like we, through Christ, like we're, we can be like a city on a hill, like, 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 like a lamp that it would just be appalling to put something over it so it couldn't shine. Like right now, it's like our world is, is an upheaval it, 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 and it feels really dark, even to us who follow Jesus. What a chance to shine. Like yeah. and that sounds lame and cheesy, but oh my gosh, like, when life is good, it's hard to be a bright light. It's like, you know, you take a flashlight in the middle of the day. It's like, well, it's not really that dark. Like, it's pretty light, and I can't even – is this light flashlight even working? You get a dark room, though, and you bring out a flashlight, even the tiniest little light that you get for free from some kind of business with their name on the side of it, it just looks like a headlight in a car. And I, I just think, like, right now, what an opportunity to, to be Jesus, to, to be a light in the political field, in our business, in our company, in our family, when everyone's com scared or complaining, like we have a chance, but yeah, but think of all the wonderful things that are going like, and so there's just a chance right now just to show Jesus like no other time in my lifetime. And, and that doesn't take away that it's discouraging right now, even on Sunday, after two months of physical services, we're still like 60% of what attendance was. That's discouraging as a pastor. Oh yeah. So I'm and my and my my dad. I've seen my dad, my mom and dad. I've seen them twice since the start of the year. My dad's wow. at high risk. He has no immune system, and so he has to. He really does have to be wise. That that makes me heart sick. I don't know how much longer my dad will be on this earth. He doesn't have good good health, and yet, and so I'm not like belittling discouragement and trials and some of the suffering we're going through right now. But it's like, what an opportunity to be Jesus. You know, my my daughter said to me yesterday, we were talking about it, and she's eight, and we were just saying, wow, you know, this was such a hard time 
we were in, we're in New York. We had a crazy outbreak here, as you know, and it was we were really like yeah. trapped trapped in our house, you know. So it was very much like we didn't go to stores for three months. We didn't, you know, and she was. We were just saying like, wow, you know. At the same time, we spent more time together as a family than we ever have, right? And and so there were some things in this time we were just trying to find the positive in it. And sometimes it's really hard to do that. But I definitely, you know, everything you're saying is so powerful. There are little events, little things that happen. And sometimes we're like, why am I doing this? Why is God putting me here? Why does this matter? Uh, and here you are <laughs> with the cookies explaining to us exactly why um, these moments matter. And when we're listening to God, sometimes we might not understand that message in the immediate. But looking back now, you get that message. You see why you woke up that day. Um, and it wasn't just to eat chocolate chip cookies, which would have been amazing in its own right. It was to <laughs> encourage people and, you know, be a witness there. And I just I, I love that. And I'm I'm so grateful to you for coming on the show today. Where can people go, Adam, if they want to grab copies of Love Has a Name? Yeah, so you can pretty much get anywhere books are sold from Amazon to Target, Walmart, Barnes and Noble. Uh, go get yourself a copy. And I, I'd be so grateful if you have one. Give it to a friend. Um, Billy, just really, truly grateful to connect with you today. This has been fantastic. I thank you so much. We'll have to have you back sometime soon. I look forward to it. Did you know you can access thousands of entertaining and inspiring faith and family-friendly TV shows, movies, and original series? It's simple. Just log on to pureflix.com right now to start your free trial. From kids' content to some of the most uplifting films, we've got your entire family covered. Sign up today. And that brings us to the end of our Pure Flix podcast today. I am really honored that you joined us. Grab Adam Weber's book, Love Has a Name, Learning to Love, The Different, The Difficult, and Everyone Else. And guys, I mean... At the end of the day, are we not the different and the difficult ourselves? I think all of us love to assume it's everyone else, but we're all tough at times, and we all have to maybe look inside of ourselves to say, how do we change? How do we be somebody who's easier to love, right? Let's help other people out a little bit by, <laughs> by making ourselves a little easier to love. And I want to just encourage you guys, there is so much going on, but there is so much hope. We have hope. In the end, Hope wins. In the end, God wins. And no matter what it feels like out there, whether you're upset about the way things are, whether you're wanting things to change in some way, you've got to know that with God, anything is possible. Turn to Him in prayer. Prayer works. And I want to just encourage you guys, if you need that daily inspiration, go over to insider.pureflix.com. It is free editorial content. We have got um, a prayer and faith blog, movies and TV, lifestyle, education. Um, there's so much content over there. And sometimes you just need something to lift your spirits. And so that's what we're here for. We're here to do that for you guys. And I hope that you will you know, keep in touch. Be in touch with us. If you go over to anchor.fm slash podcast, you can actually leave us a voicemail reach out. Let us know what you're thinking about the show. Head over to iTunes. It's actually Apple Podcasts now. And find the show. Give us a good review or any review. I want to know what you think. We want this show to be what you want it to be. We want it to be powerful, inspirational, and influential over your lives. And I hope that you enjoy uh, both the podcast and insider.pureflix.com. I will see you guys next week for another episode of the show. That's all for today's podcast. You can follow Pure Flix on Facebook at facebook.com slash pureflix and on Twitter at pureflix. 
and be sure to log on today to pureflix.com for thousands of faith and family-friendly movies and TV shows. Thanks for listening to the Pure Flix Podcast.